do you say that Jesus is? An important historical figure? A revered religious teacher? While all kinds of answers have been given to that question, the Bible teaches clearly that Jesus is Lord, God, come in the flesh. In this message from Mark chapter 12, verses 35 through 40, David Platt helps us see the significance of Christ's Lordship. If we confess Jesus as Lord, then our lives should look different from the world, and it should shape our message to the world. The one whom we proclaim as Savior is the one to whom every knee will one day bow. Here is David with a message titled, Real or Counterfeit Christianity? We're going to start in verse 35, Mark chapter 12. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know the setup. But just in case you're visiting today, maybe for the first time, and if that's you, we are so glad you're here. The setup in this story is that it's Tuesday, although some say by this time it's Wednesday of the week, when Jesus is going to be betrayed on Thursday and crucified on Friday by groups of people who were working against him. And those groups have coordinated efforts to pepper him with questions all with the intent of trapping Jesus and trying to bring him down. But at the end of last week, we read that after Jesus' responses, no one dared ask him any more questions, at which point he decided he was gonna ask a question. That's where we pick up in Mark chapter 12, verse 35. The Bible says, as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put my, your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses or, and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. So do you see this? How Jesus is warning the people, beware of counterfeits, of a counterfeit gospel being passed on by counterfeit people. So how do we know what's real? Well, look at where Jesus started. He said, how can the scribes, which were the teachers of God's word in that day, how can they say that the Christ is the son of David. Now, when Jesus refers to the Christ here, that's a reference to, you might make a note, to the Messiah, the deliverer of God's people, whom God had promised for centuries to one day send. And God had made clear that the Messiah, this deliverer, would come from the line, from the family tree of King David. We don't have time today, but we could take a tour right now through the Old Testament and the New Testament. 2 Samuel chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9, Matthew chapter 1, even Mark chapter 10 and 11 that we've read uh, as we've been walking through the gospel of Mark. They all show that God's people were waiting for centuries and in Jesus' day for a Messiah who would come from the family line of David. So everybody accepted What Jesus says in Mark 12, 35, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? But then Jesus continues and says, David himself and the Holy Spirit declared. And what what Jesus does here is he quotes, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. Quotes directly from Psalm chapter 110, verse 1. 
So I'm gonna put it up here on the screen, although it says exactly the same thing. Psalm 110, verse one, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now what's interesting about this psalm, it's a psalm or a song about God's blessing on the king of Israel. And when you see the word Lord, whenever you see the word Lord in your Bible with capital L, then small caps, O-R-D, you know that that is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the name of God that God has revealed himself to among his people, his covenant name and his relationship with the people of Israel. The Lord says to my, but if you'll notice the second time it says Lord, it doesn't have the all caps or small caps O-R-D. It's got lowercase O-R-D. The reason for that is because it's a different word in the Hebrew. The word here is Adonai which sometimes can refer to God, oftentimes does, but at other times, Lord Adonai can refer to a human ruler or Lord or like a king. And that's the picture here in Psalm 110 verse one. This is God, Yahweh, speaking to the king of Israel, saying, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus, God is basically saying to the king of Israel in the Old Testament, I give you authority to lead my people in a way that reflects me. And as you lead my people to walk in my ways, then I will put your enemies under your feet. That's what the rest of Psalm 110 is all about. But back here in Mark chapter 12, Jesus asked the question, if King David himself wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then that means King David just called the future king of Israel his Lord. In a way that a father would never say about his son or grandson or great-grandson in that day. In other words, Jesus is pointing out that King David wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about a king who would come from his line who would not just be his son, but would be his Lord, Lord over King David. In other words, this king to come would not just be like any other human being. Yes, he would be a son, but he would also be the Lord of all. This king would be divine. And we know that's exactly what Jesus is saying here because this Psalm, Psalm 110, is quoted over and over again. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, pointing back to the divinity of Jesus, to how Jesus was not just human, but God in the flesh. When you get to Acts chapter two, verse 34, the very first Christian sermon, Peter quotes from Psalm 110 to say to the people in his day, you crucified God in the flesh. Jesus is not just the Messiah, he is the Lord over all. The author of Hebrews, you look at Hebrews chapter one, it's an amazing picture of the divinity of Jesus. And at the very end of that chapter, the author of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 110, verse one, to say, Jesus is superior than every other person, every other angel, because Jesus is God. And this is one of the fundamental teachings of the Bible, that Jesus is not just a man, although he is fully human, but Jesus is also fully God. God in the flesh, which means Jesus is Lord, God over all. So 
here's the first question we need to ask. If we're gonna discern if we have received a counterfeit gospel, and I'm gonna make it personal to each one of us. So I'm asking you today, do you believe Jesus is Lord? And by Lord, not just meaning a human leader or a good religious teacher. No, do you believe Jesus is Lord, God over all? And this question is so critical because most every other religion and cult in the world answers no to this question. Muslims say, no, we respect Jesus as a prophet, but he was and is not God in the flesh. Atheists or agnostics, of course, as well as Buddhists and a host of other religions. In fact, most people in the world would say, Jesus may have been a good teacher, but he's not God. Hindus would say, maybe Jesus is a God, but he's not Lord, the one true God over all gods. And cults, so Mormons, who call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or LDS, can speak about Jesus in ways that sound similar to the way we might speak about Jesus. After all, they're the Church of Jesus Christ, right? But once you explore what Mormonism teaches, much like a counterfeit bill, you realize that Mormons actually teach that Jesus is the firstborn spirit child of God, the Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Mother. That Jesus is a secondary God under God the Father. And Jesus does not possess deity in himself. Instead, Jesus progressed to deity in the spirit world. In a similar way, Jehovah's Witnesses, who claim to be witnesses for Jehovah, for Yahweh, they publish all kinds of tracts and booklets that are passed out and look like Christianity. I'm sure you've seen or received some of those. They believe that Jesus is a lesser God who was originally created as the Archangel Michael before the world existed. So I hope you're seeing how important this question is. Do you believe Jesus is a man, just a man, just like other religious teachers? Or do you believe Jesus is Lord, God in the flesh who came to save us from our sins? And along these lines, so here's a simple illustration I learned from a man named Gregory Kukul that I've used ever since. So the next time a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, and by the way, they and Mormons will come to your door. They are actively spreading a counterfeit gospel. Or even the next time you're talking with a Muslim who accepts the New Testament. So Muslims believe in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Injil, as authoritative teaching. So just do this. Open the Bible together. Just say, hey, let's look at a verse. John chapter 1, verse 3, which says about Jesus, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And even in a Jehovah's Witnesses edited Bible, John 1, 3 will say the same thing as what we have in our Bible, which is important because their version of the Bible skews John chapter 1, verse 1, about what, Jesus, what it says about Jesus there. But John 1, 3 is the same. So just read that verse or maybe ask them to read it. Then pull out a napkin or a scrap piece of paper. Say something like, okay, let's think together about everything that exists. Maybe let's write that out. Everything that exists. And let's draw a box that represents everything that exists. 
Let's imagine this box represents everything that exists. And then draw a line down the middle that separates everything that exists into two categories. Say something like, okay, if this box represents everything that exists, let's think about anything that exists that never came into being. So maybe in the left side of the box, write that. All things that never came into being. And then ask the question, so what goes in that, that box? And the Jehovah's Witness or the Muslim would answer what? God, which is the right answer. God alone is eternal and uncreated. So you put God in the left-hand side of that box. Then say, let's think about anything that comes into being. So write that out. All things that came into being, which is basically all created things. So maybe you write that in the box on the right side. All created things. And say, okay, according to John chapter 1, verse 3, all created things were made through Jesus. Without Jesus was not anything made that was made. So basically, ask your friend if, if it makes sense according to this verse, which is exactly what the first part of this verse says. So let's write, created through Jesus, and put an arrow pointing to all created things. All these things, John 1, 3 makes clear, were created through Jesus. So then step back and just summarize. Okay, so everything that exists falls into one of these two categories. The larger box, everything that exists. Left side, things that never came into being. Right side, things that came into being. So everything is either created or not created. Like nothing can be in both sides of this box. Nothing can be created and not created. It's pretty simple. Everything is either in one or the other. Which then leads to the big question. Okay, so which category does Jesus belong in? And maybe you pull out a coin to represent Jesus, like a quarter. You say, okay, here's a coin to represent Jesus. And you give it to your friend and you say, all right, place the coin in the box where Jesus belongs. And with the coin in their hand, their first impulse is going to be to put the coin in the category of things that came into being on the right side here. The only problem is, John 1, 3 makes really clear, all things were created through Jesus. So that can't be Jesus. If Jesus created all things to come into existence, then Jesus must have existed before all created things came into existence. Therefore, Jesus couldn't have been created, so Jesus can't be in the box on the right side. And if he can't be on the box on the right side with created things, then he must go on the left with uncreated things. Meaning Jesus is the what? He's the creator. He is God. Just a simple way that will uh, make the most of that moment at your door instead of just turning them away. Give them something to think about straight from the Bible and pray for God to open their eyes to see the beauty of Jesus as Lord. But now back to us. That's the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is not just a man, but God in the flesh? Not just a good religious teacher, but God himself. If not, then you're believing a counterfeit gospel. But that's not all. Because, well, just think about the book of James in the Bible later points out, even the demons believe this, and they haven't received the gospel. So if you believe Jesus is Lord, that still doesn't mean you have the gospel in your heart. You're now at the same level as demons are. 
So let's ask a second question. Does your life show Jesus is your Lord? And Jesus continues in this passage in Mark chapter 12. And he says, I'll come back to this in a minute, but beware of these scribes. Not just because of what they teach, but because of how they live. They like to walk around in long robes where they're greeted in the marketplace as the spiritual leaders they are. They like having the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts while they devour widows' houses. And we're not sure exactly what that means, but it's clearly not good. They take advantage of widows and their possessions, and they make long prayers so that people will think they're spiritual. In other words, they don't live with God or Jesus as their Lord. They live for themselves. Their actions and their motives show that they are the Lord of their lives. Which leads to this question in your life. Do your actions and your motives show that Jesus is your Lord, the king of your life? Do you wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life today. I love you, I want you, I wanna follow you. I wanna do everything you call me to. I care about what you think of me, not what others think of me. I live for you as my Lord which then leads you to spend time with Jesus, to read and listen to his word, to obey it, to prioritize gathering with his people for worship, then to scatter and to love and serve others in his name. If we never spend time alone with Jesus, listening to or reading his word, then is Jesus really Lord of our lives? If we... Don't prioritize gathering with the bride and the body of Christ, the church, for worship. If that's kind of an option, a maybe in our lives, then is Jesus really the Lord of our lives? If there are areas of our lives where we're living in direct disobedience to God's word with no desire for repentance, then is Jesus really Lord of our lives? And obviously, none of us is perfect, only Jesus is. That's the point, though. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, then we are wanting to become more and more like him. We're not content with the areas of our lives that don't look like him. And these scribes were hypocrites for whom God was clearly not the Lord of their lives. And don't miss it. They were actually using religion as a cover-up for living how they wanted to live. Is that possible? Is it possible for people, even professing Christians, to use religion, church activity in the past or the present, as a cover-up for living how you actually want to live? Is that you? The you Use religion as a cover-up for living how you want to live? Or is Jesus truly Lord of your life in a way that's evident in every facet of your life? Which leads to one last question I would ask. 
Though it's not the main point of this, this text, it certainly excuse me, flows from it. <clears throat> Question number three. Do you tell others Jesus is Lord? Do you tell others? Jesus warned the crowds to beware these scribes because they were not only counterfeits themselves, they were leading others into empty religion. Kind of like having a counterfeit bill and passing it on to others in ways that ultimately leave them empty. Kind of like people I mentioned in cults who are passionately doing that, going door to door with a counterfeit gospel. What does that say about you and me who have the real thing? And they've shared that counterfeit gospel with everybody in our neighborhood. What have we done with the real gospel? If you know Jesus is Lord, that he's God in the flesh who came to save us from our sins, and if you're following Jesus as Lord over your life, then you tell others about him, right? You're passionate about doing this, right? Because you know he's not just Lord over you, he's Lord over all. Surely we can't be around people and know that their eternity hinges on confessing Jesus as Lord and say nothing to them about Jesus as Lord. People who know Jesus is Lord and follow Jesus as Lord tell others Jesus is Lord. Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacy Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 